Christmas was always intended for people whose lives are so darkened by what is going on around them that they can't see past the end of their own noses. It is into this kind of darkness, suffocating darkness, that a light begins to burn. Even if you were here for our, this year's version of the wonderful annual children's Christmas pageant, there may have been some things that happened that you, you, might, have, you might have missed. A little variation added to the traditional telling of the story. During part of the story this year, where the shepherds were to head over to uh, Bethlehem, to the manger, and, and to see this thing uh, that the Lord has told us about, right? During that part of the story, uh, one of our little girls, two or three-year-old, she decided that she would leave her little clan of two and three-year-olds over here and, and follow the shepherds over to the manger, uh, which she did, made her way all the way over there. Uh, we even have a little clip we can take a look. It's not really easy to see, but I took it off the, off the live feed. So um, there, go the, there go the shepherds uh, making their way over uh, to uh, Bethlehem. And then she says, yes, uh, I, I too shall go. So <laughs> off she went. Um, and she makes her way all the way over. She kind of uses the shepherds as a screen to get up on the platform where the manger was over here, squeezed by Joseph to stand right next to baby Jesus with her hand on the manger, um, as if that's exactly how they had rehearsed the day before. Uh, they had not. Joseph, it's kind of, it's so fun sitting down here in front because we could see all these things, you know, and Joseph was looking at her, confused, trying to figure out where she fit in in the story. But, you know, really, Joseph never really knows what's going on in the whole Christmas story, so I thought that was okay, too. The, the truth is, when we set up our own nativity scenes at home, we put everybody in there also. We put everyone in there. Mary, of course, and Joseph, and baby Jesus. But uh, we add in the shepherds, and, and most of us include the three ornately uh, robed wise men, Right, and a few donkeys and camels and sheep for for atmosphere, I guess. But that's certainly not how it was. The shepherds came from nearby, huh, watching their flocks at night. So, so they were likely there very early on. The wise men, however, came from afar, and uh, would have been there much later. And this is one of the ways the church comes to celebrate Epiphany on January 6th each year. Epiphany closes the Christmas season, and this being the closest Sunday is Epiphany Sunday. And the season is closed with a celebration of these wise men making their way to see the Christ child, the 12th day of Christmas, as Katie was sharing uh, with the children just a bit ago. And maybe you know that the church really celebrated Epiphany as a grand festival Sunday well before it ever celebrated Christmas, for instance. Uh, today, the big church celebrations are Christmas and Easter. In the early church, they would have been Easter and Pentecost and this Sunday, Epiphany, the Sunday of the Epiphany. There's a lot of mythology that surrounds these uh, wise men. They have long been coveted roles in the Christmas pageants because they usually have great uh, costumes and 
even in films over the generations, there's so much mystery surrounding the wise men that they can be depicted in, only, in just about any way that can be imagined. So they are sometimes presented as dark, foreboding, dangerous even kind of characters, other times more cartoonish. I called the three wise men in our Christmas program this year the three wise crackers because they kind of fit that, that description. Uh, they, they had a joyful time in the, in the pageant. In the original Greek, they are called majoi which is an interesting word. It's where we get the word magi. And it's really difficult to know just exactly how to translate majoi. It kind of depends on the context. For instance, the same word that we use usually to translate into English as wise men is used in the book of Acts where it is translated in your English Bibles as magician or sorcerer. It's an interesting uh, change in uh, how we might understand these characters. Many of our English Bibles translate Majoy as wise men, but they didn't really seem all that wise when, when they, they come to ruthless King Herod. I mean, this was a guy so paranoid and power-hungry that he would have two of his own sons killed for fear of their usurping his own uh, throne. So the, the wise men didn't seem so wise when they go to this king and say, where is the child who has been born king in your realm. It shouldn't have taken a rocket scientist to figure out that Herod, the acting king of the Jews, was not going to take well to this pronouncement of another king being born. Uh, this was uh, part of the reality that Pastor Natalia explored last year with this sort of devastating biblical text of the slaughter of the innocents. Well, we tend to think of the wise men as three, uh, as uh, uh, Katie shared with the children, uh, three in number. We even have names for them, Melchior, Caspar, and Balthasar, but none of this is from the Bible. We're not told that there were three. There, were, there, there was likely a caravan of travelers, and how many there were, we can't really say. We probably arrived at three because of the three named gifts, right? So... Three gifts, three guys, and we said forever after in tradition, yep, that's it. And the names, those three names, they come from part of the mythology of tradition, but not from Scripture. Now, that's not bad. It's just true. We often call them kings. Huh? We three kings of Orient are, right? Uh, but the Bible doesn't say they're kings. Or rich. Or particularly generous. None of these things are exactly the most important for us to know about these wise men. It's not that they were wise. It's not that they were kings. It's that they were foreigners. They were Gentiles, as are most of us. This child would be king, not only of God's chosen people, not only of the Jewish people, but he would be king of the whole world. This is what these wise men, these travelers from afar, represent for us, why they matter to you and me. The word epiphany means manifestation or revelation. And it celebrates the revelation of Jesus Christ as your Messiah and mine. Remember, Unto you was born that night in the city of David 
a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Isaiah reminds us about Christmas and why the light has come. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. And as Aidan read for us a moment ago, again in Isaiah, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Christmas was always intended for people whose lives are so darkened by what is going on around them that they can't see past the end of their own noses. It is into this kind of darkness, suffocating darkness, that a light begins to burn so brightly that people can hardly believe. Why so hard to believe? Maybe because people have given up hope altogether. People become so accustomed to the cycle of poverty, of oppression, of hatred, of retaliation, and can't even imagine things ever being any different. It is into this kind of darkness that a light has shined. That was Isaiah's promise that we have claimed for the babe of Bethlehem that he was the one who was born to bring hope. There was a time shortly after Jesus began his public ministry, another dark time in human history when the, when the disciples of John the Baptist went and asked, are you the Messiah? And in his response, Jesus doesn't say anything about a star in the east, about shepherds or wise men or, or angels proclaiming the glory of the Lord. Jesus said, go and tell John what you have seen and what you have heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, lepers are cleansed, and the poor are hearing some good news for a change. Tell him that a light is beginning to shine in the darkest places. Maybe the wise men were more than three. Maybe they were less than kings. But the word epiphany means manifestation. It means revelation. And it celebrates the revelation of Jesus Christ as your Messiah and mine. No matter where you may have come from or where you may be going, remember that unto you was born that night in the city of David a Savior. So Matthew opens his Gospel with this great truth, these wise men kneeling before the child, and he will conclude his gospel with these words, go into all the world, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Because a light shines in the darkness, and no darkness has overcome it. The promise is that no darkness will overcome it. And we are reminded on this Epiphany Sunday, even as we gather here now, that it was not on a night of celebration, not on a night of great triumph, but it was another dark night. It was a night when Jesus' own closest friends were about to betray him and deny him and give him up for 30 pieces of silver. It was on the night in which he was betrayed by his best friends, by his disciples, on a dark night that Jesus gives this gift of light to the church, to you and I. 
It was on the night in which he was betrayed that our Lord took bread and gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup. He gave it for all to drink. Huh? He gave it to all who were there. That included Joseph. That included Matthew and Mark and Luke. That included Judas. Again, after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. It is shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of your sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. And so does that light continue to shine in the darkness. It calls us around this altar even now. So this holy season of Christmas now hands us off to this holy season of Epiphany where we look for ways, we keep an eye out for the manifestation of Christ in this world, the revelation of Jesus in our own lives. And as we have now been called together and fed and forgiven, we are sent out also to be that light to this uh, world so often filled with darkness. We've gathered around this table which stretches back across the ages, reaching all the way to the wise men and on forward through time and distance to include us and calls us into a future where God promises to be with us for a light shines in the darkness and no darkness has overcome it and we together have gathered around that light, been fed and forgiven by that light and are now sent out to go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.